Last week, we jumped into Acts chapter 3, and uh, we're going to hop back in there uh, to start with today, if you guys want to head in that direction. Um, but as, as I come this morning, and I'm just kind of praying into and asking the Lord, like, what He's up to and what He's doing amongst us, I'm really sensing, like, this, this growing anticipation and the feeling of this increasing in anticipation with, like, each week, seeing what the Lord is doing amongst us. It's like something is brewing, and it's, it's, kinda, it's been on the stove for a while. It's kind of beginning to come to a boil. And, and, and something is about to, um, to break. Something is about to um, get really exciting amongst us. And so that, that excites me. And so what, what I think that's requiring of us now is to do our due diligence, is to stay in the Word and stay in prayer and say, make sure that we are staying on point, on task with what He is up to. Because the Lord is going to do what the Lord is going to do. And now it's just, it's our, it's up to us. Do we want to participate in that? Are we going to walk in alignment with what the Lord is doing? Or are we going to stand on the sidelines and just kind of watch and see from a distance what he's doing? Because what he does, he invites his people to participate in that. We're not here just to be observers, but to be participants now. That's the whole reason that he's deposited, deposited his Holy Spirit in us, to partake in the things that he's doing in us. So uh, last week... We talked about Acts chapter 3, and in that story, there's a place where Peter and John are walking into the temple, and as they're walking in, they're approached by this lame man. He's here begging, and as if you, for those of you who were here, you remember that they said to him, uh, silver and gold, we have none, but what I have, I will give you. In Jesus' name, get up and walk, and he jumped up to his feet. And we talked about what that, what that means for us, about when we're, our eyes are focused on Christ, our expectations are no longer the normal, mediocre expectations of this world. But when we see that Jesus sees a layman and says, get up and walk, now I'm going to expect, if I'm walking with Jesus and I'm carrying the power of God in me, I'm going to be able to pray for people and their lives are going to be able to be changed because that's what Jesus did. That's the new normal. Well, something that was so cool is after service ended, uh, I was approached by our sister Margaret. Margaret, if you want to come forward. Um, and she told me the, the coolest story uh, that, that basically was a current uh, example of, of what we saw in Acts chapter 3. And I'm going to let her tell you that herself. You want to share your, that story you shared with me last week? Sure. Um, about it was 20 years, September 29th. 1999, I had been sick for a couple of years, was a single mother, and I had to quit work. Um, I still had one child at home, and that summer, I had been in the hospital over three months with respiratory problems. Um, I'd had a stroke, and I had ataxia, couldn't walk. I had been in a wheelchair for about six months. Um, Things were pretty difficult. And that, that morning, I prayed to God fervently, if this is how you want me to live, I will do it, but you're going to have to help me. And if this is not what you want for me, I give it to you. That night, our church had a prayer service, and they had been praying and praying and praying for me, and I just wasn't getting better. And it was September 29th, a beautiful fall evening, and I wanted to go outside so badly, but I, I couldn't walk. 
And so the desire got to be so strong that I pushed my wheelchair to the top of the stairs, sat down on the stairs, and, and bumped myself down so I could be outside and just feel the fresh air. And I heard the Lord tell me, I need the people to know I hear their prayers. I can and will heal you, but not right now. Get up and walk. And I'm like, I can't walk. And the desire was so strong that I thought, well, maybe if I reach, there were two cars in my driveway. Maybe if I reach the cars, I can hold on to the cars and walk between the cars. And I did. And he said, go further. And there's a sidewalk next to my house. And I thought, okay, if I, I lean on the house, maybe I can walk a little bit more. And I did. And he said, go further. <laughs> and I went out into the road, and I could walk fine. I had no problem walking whatsoever. Now, remember, I hadn't walked hardly for six months, so my muscles were atrophied. Um, I was oxygen dependent. Uh, I went up and wo woke up my kids, and I said, you have to come outside. You have to come outside. And they're like, Mom, we've got school tomorrow. Um, I said, no, come outside. And we were running and dancing in the streets. <laughs> and my daughter's first... <laughs> My daughter's first response was, there has to be a God. There's no other explanation. <laughs> so I, um, that night, even though it was very late, I walked um, up Green End Hill, up Miantonomi Hill, no oxygen, no nothing. I was perfectly healed for three weeks. And God said, you know, I can use you through your health challenges in ways that I cannot otherwise heal you. So while the three weeks was glorious, uh, I did start to get sick again. But God has shown me, as I'm in the hospital quite a bit and, and still sick, he shows me each time that there's a reason for me to be in the hospital. Yeah. There's a reason he's going to put people in my place yeah. so that I can give a testimony or they'll say, you're so sick, but you have this glow about you. Um, it allows me to tell people about the peace of God. And um, so I just wanted to say God still today does say, get up and walk. Amen. And you can do it. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Margaret. So 2,000 years ago, Peter and John said in Jesus' name, get up and walk. And 20 years ago, 19 years ago, he said, get up and walk. He's still in that business. And the thing to remember in this as well is this. Everything that God does holds purpose. And so when we pray and he answers that prayer miraculously, there's purpose there for the glory of God. And when we pray, we don't quite see the things we wish we would see. There's still purpose in there. And that's what I think is so beautiful about Margaret's testimony is the fact that God healed her and answered that prayer. And the people that were praying for her saw God's faithfulness, the power of God to answer prayer. And then after that, he said, Margaret, I can use you more through these challenges if you accept it. 
And man, to have a heart like that to say, your will be done and accept those challenges so that the light of God can continue to shine through her in ways and in places that it wouldn't have been without that sickness. Man, I, I honor your heart, Margaret. And this is, the, this is what I pray honestly for each and every one of us, that we would have the strength and that level of submission to God to say, whatever you want, I accept it because I know you are God. I am not. And so if you want me to go through something, I know it's for your glory. And I also know that in the end, there will be a reward waiting for those who accept him fully for all that he is asking of us. Acts chapter 3 and verse 11, it says this. This is following the miracle that they had just done when they, when they called the man to walk. While the, men, well, the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? And check this out. Peter's, Peter looks at the crowd and he says, why do you stare at us? As if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, whom you see and know, was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. There's purpose in everything that God does. And when he healed that man that day, it wasn't just for that man's good. He healed him because of his love but he also healed him so that the power of God could be displayed for all the crowds to see. And when they saw that, they were captivated. And instantly a crowd rushed around them to say, what is going on here? Because this is not natural. This is not, not normal. <clears throat> a number of years ago, matter of fact, it was 2000, I think, two, um, we, I was going on a mission trip to Canada. And there were a number of us, I was in, it was in college at the time, and there were a number of us on our summer break that were getting ready to go up to this, this um, place uh, not far from Toronto in Canada. And we were putting together this uh, band and some different, some speakers and everything to go up and speak to do this. It was kind of like a crusade in the park. There was a new church that wanted to start up. And so in order to do that, they wanted to, to kind of kick off with this outreach into the community. And so when we were up there, each night of the, throughout the days, we were doing activities for the kids. We were playing games and doing different programs with the kids. And then in the evening, we were doing a service outside in the park. And it was going great. And then um, up until the last day, and as we were there on the last day, <clears throat> uh, just to kind of give you a picture of what this looked like in the park, there were these uh, big um, kind of like stands at like a football field that, uh, where everyone would be seated. And then we had this big stage where we would stand um, to present the word and do like human video presentations and these types of things. And as we're there on this last night, it was going to be the last night to present the gospel and, and call for people to respond to Christ and accept him into their heart. And so the night starts up and we're there singing on the stage. Matter of fact, this is the trip where I met my wife for the, for the first time, getting ready for that trip. And we went up there singing together. Yeah, we used to be in a traveling band. <laughs> that was short-lived. <laughs> Once I got on the mic, that was it. <laughs> so as we're, on, as we're on the platform and we just begin the first and second song of the evening, we've got all this equipment out and, um, you know, the keyboard, the drums and all these things. And all of a sudden we start to feel this drizzle starting to come out of the sky. And we're like, oh, no, this is not good. What, what do we do here? 
So we kind of go on for a few minutes and just kind of feel it out. Or is this going to be just a passing thing or whatnot? Like people are going to go home, like not to mention thousands of dollars of equipment is going to get destroyed. And so we're all just kind of like the band's like looking at each other and just kind of praying and saying, and, and, but the rain is like increasing. It's getting heavier. And so all of a sudden, as we're kind of praying quietly to ourselves, like away from the mic, all of a sudden the leader who's on the, on the keyboard begins to pray out loud, God, just take away this rain. We believe that you have the power to do it. I know you can, that you can uh, stop this rain. And all of a sudden, like my eyes shot out and it's like, oh, he's going for it. Because now you're praying, we're, 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 here we are like ministering to a whole bunch of people, people who don't know the Lord. And here you're asking God to move, take away the rain. So what is this going to say if we're praying and they don't see it come to fruition? So I'm like, all right, well, he's going for it. So we just started praying like hardcore, like, God, I know you can do this. We're really getting into it. And all of a sudden, check this out. The rain is increasing. Like it's heavy drops coming down now, but we're just praying, saying, all right, well, you know something? Right now it's in God's hand what is going to happen because we're here. We came to minister and we're going to do that. And so if we go home with no equipment and it has to go in the dumpster and nobody's in those stands, we're going to continue to do what we came here to do. And so we did and we're praying. The rain is coming. And all of a sudden, when you look up to the sky, you could see these dark rain clouds all right directly above us. And as we're praying, you look up and you see this little sliver of an opening in the clouds. You could look up and you could see sunlight in through the dark clouds. And so we're praying and say, what? is God doing here? And all of a sudden, this little sliver starts to grow. And you could see the sun in in the middle of these dark rain clouds. And all of a sudden, it's growing, growing, growing. And then it stops growing. And when you look up, you see the dark rain clouds all around us and a circle of open sky directly above the park where we were ministering. Like it was downpouring puddles in the streets around this park. And here we are standing in in this dry park. It was amazing and, and a little scary too. <laughs> like what just happened here? <laughs> but you know something? The night before and leading up to this night, as we're, as we're um, preaching and sharing the gospel with people, there were hecklers. There were some people, especially I remember two kids in particular that were heckling. Remember? And they were giving us a hard time. Just even, especially me, even as we're just, you know, trying to communicate with them, trying to like talk, get to know them a little bit. And they're, they're just heckling us. They were there that night. And when they saw what, I think that put the fear of God in them as well. Because we continued to go through the night, we preached the word, and those two kids, we approached them after that, and they accepted the Lord that night, there and then. Right there and right then. And so that was like on a Friday night, and then two days later for this, this new church that was starting up, that Sunday, they were there for service, and they were, they were like dressed and like ready to go. Two teenagers on their own accord, without families and things. So you know that God communicated and got through to them in the way that he wanted to get through. And I say this because, the, because I want to illustrate the point that God has purpose in everything that he does. He didn't have to stop the rain. He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. He didn't have to heal the lame man. He can do whatever he wants to do, but he chose to work a miracle in that situation. And because he did, not only did the lame man come to know Christ, but thousands also followed. It says that about another 2,000 came to know the Lord through that, the testimony that they saw him live through. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us to walk 
by faith and not by sight. And this man in Acts chapter 3 literally walked by faith because it was the power of Jesus' name and the faith that comes from that name that made him rise up, that made him well, that made him go and tell the story of the power of God and how it had affected him. See, this, this kind of story demonstrates really the heart of God, his love and compassion, his healing power. And we know that God continues to do these things to this very day. And he's going to continue to reveal, I believe, even greater things. But it's only going to happen as we are willing to have our eyes open to see him through every circumstance. As we have our eyes open to see God in the everyday, in the commonplace. Because if we don't see him in the everyday, if we don't see him right now in the present, if we don't acknowledge his power and his working in us in any given moment, then we're not ready to receive the greater things. Then when we begin to see the miracles, they they can become more of a stumbling block for us than anything else. See, when the crowds came and they were rushing around Peter and John, Peter noticed that they're all coming and like staring. He said, why are you staring at us? Instantly, when they saw a powerful demonstration of God, what do they do? They're magnetized to, Peter said, get up and walk. And so Peter said, listen, it's not, it's not any kind of power of my own, and it's also not any godliness of my own that this man has been made well. It's Jesus. That's all it is. But somehow, some way, Inside of us, maybe it's the way that we're kind of wired, maybe it's the sinful nature, we are always drawn to kind of find a source. And it was Peter, I heard, I heard Peter's voice say, get up and walk. Peter's the one who did that. We always want to, we want to give credit to the source, but we, we don't go deep enough. We don't look deep enough to say, who is really responsible for this? Who is really responsible for the fact that I woke up this morning with breath in my lungs and was able to see the sunlight again? That's God. That's not me. That's not because I take care of my body and I treat myself and I have a good diet. It's definitely not because I have a good diet (laughs) or exercise. That's God. And so it's so important for us to be able to see God in the everyday, to acknowledge that when we have life and new mercy every morning, that's God. That's not normal. That's God's grace in my life. The fact that we have all the provisions that we need, the fact that we have the people in our lives that we have, that's God. They're there for it to be a blessing to us and vice versa, for us to be a blessing to them. And even every struggle and every trial that we encounter, God is in that. God is even in that, in that place because there's purpose for it. And he wants these struggles to teach us and to grow us. Because we know that no matter what trial comes our way, no matter how how much you're struggling or how frustrated you become, it's for our own good. He's a good and loving father. Nothing less and nothing other. He will not fail. And so everything that we encounter is for your blessing. It's for your good if we will allow him to work the way He's trying to work. So we have to first see God's work in our everyday lives. 
And then he can continue to take us to show us the deeper things of God. There's so much more that he wants to see. He longs to reveal himself to us. But he can only give us as much as we can handle. And so if we want the deeper things of God and we want to go further with him, then it's a matter of seeing him in the everyday. And this is my prayer for us, that God would open our spiritual eyes, that we would see him in the everyday so that now he can begin to show us the deeper things. We can go beyond the surface level. We can appreciate what we have today and know that if we never receive anything else from this moment on, we've already been given more than we deserve. But it's God's grace that has given us all that we have. Um, A few, uh, I should say, back when uh, our, our daughter was born, Arabella, oh, she's in the hair right now, Probably good. When she was born, um, she was just about, she was a little more than two months old uh, when she came down with a sickness. And she was crying. She had this temperature. And Sly knew that something wasn't quite right with her. It wasn't just a normal fever or a cold or something. She just had that kind of mom, mommy instinct. And so the doctor said, wait, you know, bring her in. If it gets worse, she said, no, this is not, this is not that. We took her into the hospital. And they did all these kinds of tests and realized that she had bacterial meningitis. And so this thing was in her, in her spine and in her uh, fluid. And so at that moment, they said, we don't know what kind of bacteria is causing this. Um, because of that, we don't even know how to treat it. And so they had to just keep her and wait for test results to come back, like days, so they can find out what kind of bacteria is this so that they know how to combat it with the right antibiotics. And so as this is going on, she's not even three months old. She's this tiny little thing. You know, seeing her have to go through a spinal tap and these horrendous um, tests and things that they were doing was, was absolutely heartbreaking. And I think I was kind of more numb than anything. But Sly, I remember, was, you struggled so much with this, as any mother would. And you, you kind of get in this place where, like, this is, this is my child. Why would you do this, God? How could you let this happen? This is my daughter. Where's the love and compassion in this situation? And so you kind of get into this, into this mode, like what's happening here and why? How can there be good purpose for this? And so this went on for days, and we struggled with this until it came to the point, I remember after days and we got no results or whatnot, oh, finally they recognized what the bacteria was, and they said, okay, this is the medicine we have to give her. However, this medicine is so strong that it, will, it could cause uh, atrophy in her muscles, and it is likely to cause her to uh, not have her hearing. She'll be deaf and all these kinds of things. But that's what she needed to combat the, the sickness. It was salmonella type D. So we hear this, and then again, just drop to our knees. And I remember, Sly, you just said, everybody out of the room. Get out of here. Just leave me alone with my, with my daughter, including me. <laughs> she needed to be with the Lord. And I remember you, you, you got to the place with the father and just said, this is what she said. Lord, this is your daughter. And if you have given her to us to bless us for two months of our lives, thank you for the gift of this infant. She's yours and your will be done. And it was, it was moments later, it was that, that day, um, that Arabella looked her in the eye and for the first time in a week, smiled. And instantly she turned around like that and began to mend and get better. And as time passed, 
And as she grew, her, her muscles, her legs were completely fine. Her hearing is completely fine. And God worked a miracle in her body through that circumstance. It was for the glory of God. It was for the glory of God. In every situation, no matter how tragic or how joyful, we have to keep in mind the sovereignty of God. Because he's the one who has the big picture. He sees it all. He sees everything that he's doing. And if we trust him, and if we're willing to release control and say, I don't see it all, but I see you, and I know that you're a good God, so I'm going to release control. I'm going to let you do what you need to do. In that place, the special things can begin to happen because we've given over the reins, the control to him. He is sovereign. We are just his people, but he takes such good care of his people. Even in the times where we feel that he doesn't even see us, does he even hear us? Does he even care? Look at this suffering infant, but he cares and he's there and he's got greater purposes than we realize. In the book of 2 Kings in chapter 6, if you want to turn there, you feel free to. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a story by the prophet named Elisha. Now, Elisha had been going through some, some things, and, and the nation of Israel, Elisha was an Israelite, the nation of Israel was coming um, under attack from the king of Aram. It was one of the, the tribes that was kind of around Israel. And so the king of Aram wanted to come and attack Israel a number of times. He would try to come. He would make a plan. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to attack him in this valley. Or I'm going to, make, I'm going to go over here. And I'm going to surprise attack him here. But God can, every, at every time, God was showing Elisha what the enemy's plan was. So Elisha would tell the Israelite king, and they were ready for them. And so the king of Aram was getting ticked off. And he finally realized that it was Elisha that was giving, giving up his, his plans. So what he do? He decided to take his armies and send them. He said, forget Israel right now. First, we need to go put an end to this prophet who's giving up our spot. So this is exactly what he did. He sent his army to surround the city where Elisha was. And they went in, in the middle of the night. They surrounded the city called Dotham, where Elisha was, was staying with his servant. And we'll pick up the story. In, in verse 14, it says this. Then he, the king of Aram... He sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, Elisha is the man of God. When the servant of Elisha went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. But don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So here we see Elisha's servant. He wakes up in the morning, probably to do a bathroom run or something, and walks out, and all of a sudden sees thousands horses of uh, horses and chariots and men surrounding the city. And here was just Elisha and, and himself, the servant, sitting there. And he, he runs back to Elisha in fear. His reaction is probably the same as most of ours when we encounter some kind of threatening situation. He was shocked. 
He was not prepared for any of this. This was the last thing that was on their radar. He didn't know that they were going to encounter. They were not fighting men. He was following a prophet of God around. But here now they're coming under attack. He was, dread, he was in dreadful fear for his personal safety, for his own well-being. And see, when we come upon threats, this is our natural reaction. We think of, we go into automatic survival mode. What do I need to do to get to safety here? Because my well-being is, is becoming threatened. How can we get as far away from this place as possible? We just want to run, just escape it. But in this situation, he's surrounded on all sides. There is no escaping this. So he runs to Elisha and screams, what are we going to do? We're doomed. And here's the thing that we can see from, from this Elisha servant. When we, when we don't have eyes to see what God is doing around us and to see his presence in every situation, it allows fear to overwhelm us and also distracts us and, and stops us. It hinders us from seeing what God's will is and, and absolutely paralyzes us from joining in the work of the Lord. See, failure to see through God's eyes leads to failure to perform God's will. And this is why it's so important to remember Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul tells us in verse 12, he said, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It looks an awful lot like it really is. And any, anyone who does not know the Lord and doesn't have those spiritual eyes to see, they say, your, your struggle is absolutely natural. It is absolutely against flesh and blood and situations on this earth. But the apostle Paul says, no. Your struggle is not against anything of this world, but it's against rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's more at play here than meets the eye. And so when we're struggling with something, we have to remember that our struggle is not with anything or anyone that our eyes are able to see and discern, not our physical eyes. So Elisha comes to his servant, and what's his response to the servant? He says, those that are with us are more than those that are against us. And then he prays that God, Lord, open his eyes so he may see what's really going on here. Open his eyes that he may see. And suddenly, as the servant looked up, all of a sudden he was able to see the real scenario, what was actually happening here. Although they were surrounded by an army, they were surrounded by even more chariots and horses and angels of, of flames that were guarding over Elisha. See, when our eyes become open by the Lord, it silences all fears. When he opens our eyes to see his presence all around us, it bolsters our faith and it empowers us to move forward in a confidence that is not natural. A confidence that comes from the Lord God himself. There's no longer any reason to, to, to melt in fear when we see the might of the Lord because the power of God in that place diminishes any perceived threat. All of that just melts away in comparison to the power of God. And so here's the interesting thing. When Elisha sees this, he prays that God would open his servant's eyes. And then what is it? It says that Elisha goes and he actually approaches the army. As the enemy army comes, he approaches them. He didn't, there's no need to run. There's no need to hide. No, go and, in, go and encounter them. Go and interact with this. 
Because now, when we recognize what we're really dealing with and remember the God who is for us and not against us, we're able to move towards any perceived threat. We can move at it with boldness, knowing that God has a plan for that, and he will complete it. And if we so choose, if our faith is strong enough and we trust the Father, then we can participate in him completing that plan. We can be part of that, not just watch it happen. We can engage it. See, that that kind of thing will look silly. That will look foolish to anyone in the world who doesn't see what's happening in the supernatural, in the heavenly realms, it says. But when all is said and done, God is glorified and he completes his purpose through all these things. And so this is my prayer for us. My prayer for us is that the Lord would open our eyes so that we can see what is really all around us, so that we can perceive the presence of God in our everyday circumstance, in our everyday lives, to see all that he is, to see all that he's doing, and a heart to accept what he's doing with hope, with humility, in everything that he leads us into. And here's the interesting thing about Elisha's servant. When he first recognized that there's a threat here and he was in danger, he feared the worst. But because Elisha saw with different eyes and his, he was able to see what God was doing, Elisha saw this not as something to fear. Elisha saw an opportunity. And not even just an opportunity. What we're going to see is it's an opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. God was, what God was doing here was handing over the enemy into Eli, to Elisha's hands. And how Elisha responded was with the heart of God. Because when our eyes can see what God sees, our hearts become open to do what God does. Notice that Elisha didn't call down fire to destroy the enemy. He didn't even even ask God to send them away, send them back where they came from. No, he engaged the enemy. His prayer was, Lord, close their eyes, blind them. Isn't that interesting? He says for his servant, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see. And then the approaching army, he says, Lord, give them blindness. And they were struck with blindness, not a physical blindness, but it was almost like this mental kind of delusional state because what happened was they approached him and they said, we're looking for Elisha, the man of God. And he says, oh, not in this city. It's not here. Follow me. And he leads them to another place. But it was that blindness that they could not perceive who it was that they were even talking to in that, in that moment. Because when, we're blind, when they were blind, they now were in the hands of Elisha. He could lead them where he wanted to lead them. He could do what he wanted to do. And that's an important lesson for us. All the more reason we need to see with spiritual eyes what God is doing. Because when we are blind, we are easy prey. When we are blind, we can fall prey to manipulation of the enemy. The Lord wants our eyes to be open. So for Elisha, he approached the enemy army and he says this, This is not the place. This is not the town. Follow me. And he leads them on a, it was a 10 to 12 mile hike to the city of Samaria, which is the capital of Israel. And he marches this enemy army right into the center of the capital of Israel, where all of their troops and their armies were. So he walks them right into, so they now became surrounded by Israel's armies. 
And in that place, he asked God, now, God, open their eyes again. And suddenly they realized where they were and who they were talking to. They were talking to the very man they were looking for. And now they were surrounded by all of Israel's armies. They now were at the mercy of Israel. And when Elisha called out the king of Israel, the king was excited. He said, okay, now is it time to kill them? Let's destroy them. And Elisha said, no, do not kill them. Don't kill them. You know what he said? Give them food and drink and send them back to their master. And so it says in 2 Kings chapter 6 there that the king did that very thing. He said that he prepared a feast for them. He nourished the enemy armies, took care of them, and sent them on their way. See, having open eyes to see God at work, it removes all fear from us. There's no longer any place for that. And now, instead of that, there's excitement for God's will because God is doing something and there's a purpose. We, We talked about this morning when I opened up, there's something brewing, there's something bubbling. There's a purpose that we're moving towards together as a body. And, and it's far beyond us. I believe throughout our state and region, there's a purpose. He's, God is moving and shifting his body towards even right now. He's moving us to that place. And so that becomes an excitement. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to be concerned over. But there's something to be excited about. The, any interaction with the enemy, as we see from Elisha here, becomes now an opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. We are not a people that live on the defense. If you know anything about the God that we serve, we do not live on the defensive. We are the people of God. And the, and the Bible says that the kingdom is advancing forcefully, and we are part of that kingdom. And we have a role to play in that if you are willing, if you so choose. That kingdom is growing, and it will continue to grow and increase and that, that's where we belong. That's our home. Now, we can be on the front lines and we can join in the work of the Lord and be part of that, or we can sit back and just kind of watch other people take the forefront, wondering, is it really going to work out this time? Is God really working out for their good? Does he really have a good purpose? But I'm standing here in front of you today reminding you that, yes, God has purpose for it. It's good. It's for your good, and it's for his glory. And I'm encouraging you, March forward with confidence because there's nothing to fear when, when God is our Father. There's no place for that. That's not part of us. That's not part of our DNA any longer. We belong to a God who is the creator and sovereign over all things. There's no place for fear any longer. And so now instead of fear, now we can begin to operate the way that we see God operate in the Scripture. Jesus said in Luke 6, He said, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. He said, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. As Elisha was encountered by the enemy, because there is no fear there, and he recognized that God is sovereign, he's in control. At no point is God out of control of the situation. He is able to act out in the will of God. He is able to engage that enemy, pray for them, bless them serve them a a feast and a meal, and then send them on their way. See, oftentimes, it's not easy to follow some of these these kind of instructions that the Lord gives. You want me to do what to my enemy? You You want to provide for them? You want to give something to them? You want me to care for the one who's trying to attack me? 
That's extremely difficult. That's frustrating. Why would we do such a thing? How can we actually go through with that kind of command? It doesn't make sense in the natural. But when our eyes are opened to the things of God, our heart and mind are transformed. So now we see differently. We're able to know and do the will of God. The things that were impossible for us before, when we see what he's up to, now it becomes possible. And his character and will increases in our lives. His character becomes our character. And his light shines through us. And now we begin to grow. When we, see our, when we have our eyes set on the Father, we grow more and more like him. Psalms 23, you might remember, talks about um, how the Lord is my shepherd. God is our loving shepherd, provider, protector. And one of the lines it says there is that he prepares a table for us in the presence of my enemies. When there's threats all around, the Lord prepares a table and a feast and invites us to sit. And even with all these threats around, it's just, it's just a, a perceived threat that never gets realized because we can sit and we can partake in peace. In the story of Elisha, we see that the enemy comes into the capital of Samaria. And what is Elisha able to do? Because he sees through the eyes of God. He sees the enemy and he prepares a table in the presence of their enemies, which is the people of God. He cares for them and sends them home. You see the reflection of God's character of loving and caring for people. When we see God for all that he is and we begin to see what he's doing around us and we trust him in it, now we can begin to act out. Even when it's counterintuitive, when it doesn't make sense, we're able to still follow the commands of the Lord and love those who persecute us. Now we've been enabled to do as he does. We're enabled to, to love the enemy, love them anyway, knowing that by loving and caring for them, we are building the kingdom of God. It's growing in our hearts and it's growing throughout us as we now exercise the will of God we're advancing the kingdom of God. And this is how we even put a stop to the threats, to the attacks of the enemy. Because you know what that, that effectually did in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 23, it says that when he fed them and sent them home, it says that the bands of Aram stopped raiding Israel's territories, not because they were destroyed, but because they saw the character of the people of God. This is how we fight our battles, by giving it into the Lord's hands, by trusting him with it, and doing as he would do, not as we in our gut reaction would do, but as the Lord would do. In closing, I want to mention um, in John chapter 9, there's a story there where Jesus, uh, he's, a, uh, he's approached by a blind man, and his disciples begin to ask him, you know, what's the deal with this guy? Why, why was he blind? Did, was it his fault? Did he do something wrong? And now he's paying the consequences for it. Why, why can he not see? And Jesus told the disciples, he said, this is so that God's work could be displayed. Again, we see the purpose of God through this trial. 
But it wasn't the man's blindness that glorified God. What glorified God was the miracle of giving him sight. God is glorified, but when he's able to work and give us sight, eyes to see. And here's what he did with that man. It says in John chapter 9, he approached the man, and it says that he spit on the ground and made mud. And he took that, and he wiped it on the man's eyes, and he said, now go to the pool of Siloam. And so the man did. He went to the pool, and he washed it off, and he came home, and he was able to see. Now for us, this is what the Lord wants to do for us in this time that we're living in. He wants to open our eyes to see things that we have not perceived. He wants to show us things that we've not yet seen. They've been there all along, but we've not been been able to recognize it. He wants to open our eyes again, that we would no longer be blind to the things that he's doing, but now we'd we'd be able to see and begin to participate in what he's doing amongst us. Let's bow our heads and, and pray this morning. Jesus. Just like this, the blind man, we have to be willing to receive the sight that he wants to give us. And if we're unwilling, he forces nothing upon anyone. Sometimes we might be afraid of what we'll see if the Lord does open our eyes. It'd be too much for us to bear. But we can know that, rest assured, God has plans to prosper, and he will show us only that which we can bear. And it's to our advantage that we can see the things that he wants to reveal. Some of us, it might be a matter of that willingness. Maybe maybe we're not willing to do what Jesus is asking us to do in order for our eyes to be open. Maybe the idea of uh, him taking and spitting on the ground and making that mud, wiping it on us. (laughs) Maybe the things that he is putting on our heart to do in order for our eyes to be open are pushing us away. Maybe that we're not willing to receive that. We're we're, We're not willing to accept the cost to have our eyes open. But his remedy is exactly the thing that we need. It's the cure that we need to see the things that have been right in front of our eyes all along. If only we are willing, then we will receive. He wants our eyes to be open. He wants you to see. But are you willing to have your eyes open? Lord, in this place, I pray that you would open our eyes. Open the eyes of our heart to see into the spiritual what you are doing that we would naturally receive a deeper level of trust and faith and also surrender. Surrender to your, your plan and your purpose. As your people, God, we just want to make you proud. We want to be obedient. We want to love you more. And I know as we see you more, we will love you more. And as we love you more, now you show us more and we can see you more. So Lord, help us. Help us to have willing hearts and open our eyes, Lord Jesus, as we go into this next week, God, and beyond. 
Open our eyes to see what you are doing. Take us into the deeper levels, Lord Jesus. I know that you have more for us. And we want to accept all that you want to give because you only give good things to your children. You're a trustworthy father. We love you, Lord. This morning, uh, I encourage you, if you want to take some more time to pray into this and allow the, the Lord to continue to speak to you, take time in this place. Even come to the altar and feel free um, to come and spend some time in prayer here. We have some people by the, the red door over in the front here if you want to be prayed for as well. Um, and yeah, don't, don't miss the opportunity. Let's go into this new week and allow the Lord to guide us through every moment of it. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. We love you, family. Be well and blessed.